Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always, and it's a, a very somber group here today. Of course, we're going to go over uh, a bit of detail with the Southampton result, but of course, you're going to hear this on the Monday, so it's a little bit late news, but we all know now that Dean Smith has been sacked as the head coach of Aston Villa. Um, I feel like most of us kind of figured this was coming at some point this season, or at least in the summer. Um, personally, myself, I kind of thought maybe he'd be given a little bit more time given what he's done for this club over the last few seasons. But I guess with the international break and a couple of weeks off to kind of reshape and get someone potentially in there to uh, make moves and decide how we're going to proceed. Uh, it's a new era. It's no longer uh, Villa fan in charge. And obviously Grealish has already left. So no Villa fan captain on the pitch either. So that area is completely done. And it's, uh, it's, it's very sad if you kind of think back at it, at it. but uh Anyways, enough on that. Let's uh, hear from the guys. Of course, we have Seb Bacon and Tom Nightingale, of course, here. Let's let's go to Tom first and see how he feels. So, Tom, how's it going? Oh, man. Um, I think I'm about as sad as I've been as a Villa fan, to be honest. Like, we've had difficult... Obviously, we've gone through a lot of pain in, in previous lives with the relegation and all of that. And, you know, but I think this... Smith leaving in the way that things have unfolded in recent weeks, uh, I think you'd have to have a heart of stone not to be pretty upset about it, really. Um, and I think a key thing to say at the outset now where we, I mean, we're recording this a few hours after it broke, um, still very raw. I think a key thing to bear in mind is that as a fan, you are allowed to be very sad about how this has turned out without getting into a sort of binary debate about whether it's the right or the wrong decision to sack him. I think it's just, it is a statement of fact to say that, especially if you look a few months ago, even a few weeks ago, six weeks ago, we beat Man United at Old Trafford. And you can say that's a outlier of a result if you want. Okay, our form's not been great for the whole of 2021. But to see how things have nosedived in the last six weeks is... Um, really remarkable to be honest and not in a good way um and i'm i mean i'm at the point where i said said to you both before we started recording this i can't even really get into the debate about new managers who's going to come in at this point I, i'm at the point now where i just want to take a bit of time to sit back and reflect on just what smith did for us as a club really from 14th in the championship to promotion survival league cup final growth into a mid-table club last season um that's a hell of a journey. That's a hell of an improvement season upon season. This was always going to be a tough year. And managers just on the hook. It just goes to show again, doesn't it? Managers always on the hook first. Yeah, it doesn't matter the sport, the, the, the head coach, manager, whatever. They're always the first one, usually in the chopping block. And unfortunately, you'd have to say, and I don't want to get too negative, but the next one, obviously, if it doesn't go right, then there's more questions to be asked. But let's hopefully not have to worry about that for a long time because I cannot handle more depression but anyways Seb how's it going for you yeah it's difficult isn't it because I think we could all sort of feel it coming um slowly over time you know results weren't picking up and the rumors started that the owners were starting to look elsewhere and starting to get worried about his job but when it does actually happen I don't think there's anything that really prepares you for that especially when you feel that you're able to relate with a manager so much. I think that's often lost in a lot of football clubs where managers will come in, they'll implement their own style. Obviously, fans will sing their name, but they never really get that feel to them. It's quite unique. I think Klopp at Liverpool is a good example. He has a really good connection with the fans. And that's something that Smith had with us all along. He was always honest. He was always open to the fans because at the end of the day, he was one of us and he understood what our needs and requirements was and he he understood how to make us happy and yeah things plummeted towards the end didn't they they started going wrong on and off the pitch there were rumors of discontent 
in places and at the end of the day look I'll back the owners to make the right decision and it will be key to see who's next in line yeah I mean at this point um, maybe we'll probably comment it on the end of kind of just the names that are getting thrown out there when we dive more into this Um, let's switch over to the Southampton result for now of course we lost one nil uh, to the Saints on Friday evening at St. Mary's Stadium. Um, ultimately, obviously, now we know, looking back at it in hindsight, the game that ultimately really cost Dean Smith his job. And we hoped for a reaction, and we know what we obviously got, um, a true tale of two halves, when it be um, the first half not showing up at all, in my opinion. Um, didn't look like there was any desire. Um, and I hate to say it, um, for a few of them, it looked like they couldn't be asked if it was Dean Smith out the door or not, to be honest with that shift that was put in. And for me, um, whatever was said at halftime clearly got a rocket up their behinds because it was a completely different thing. But again, no end result, um, no cohesion. Um, it just we just looked like a shell of kind of what we were last season and even at glimpses of this season. And it's one of those things for me. I kind of sit there and look at the game as a whole. And I think whether it's not believing in Dean Smith or whether it's players not getting along and it has nothing to do with him, it didn't really matter. Your professionals, you get paid crazy sums of money to do what everyone else wants to do in their lives and live their dreams. And I'm not saying there was any issues, but you've seen rumblings on social media and things kind of that haven't added up. And we've all talked about it. And all I can say now is it's put up or shut up. Um, and I'm, I we can't really sit there and point fingers because we don't really know what's going on. But there's no excuses anymore. And that's kind of where I sit with it. And people can point and sit there and. The Smith out brigade, I'll say it now, can be as happy as hell as they want. You, you have proved your point of being miserable. Congratulations. I don't really understand that. Um, but, Tom, I'll, I'll point this over to you because I could probably go for another five minutes and I'm going to go completely off talk about rambling about things that just piss me off, frankly. But anyways, save me. <laughs> One thing about the, the, the Smith out brigade, like it's so you can have your own can have your own opinion, of course. Right. And it's clear that Smith definitely does have a ceiling as a manager. And I think we might have, I mean, I think his ceiling as a manager is, was to keep us in mid table. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm concerned for what comes next. I mean, we'll get into it coming from the, going back to the Southampton game for a second. Like, I suppose this is part of the issue is that that Southampton game away at Southampton, you've got to be looking at going out to get a result. There was in the lead up to that game, I have to say there was no real part of me at all other than the heart rules the head sort of hope above all else side of me. Um, there was no real rational part of me that thought that we were going to win that game at all. Like I just didn't, I, I couldn't see how we were going to get a result out of that. The second half performance was a lot better, but I mean, once you're going into games like Southampton away, no disrespect to them, and you are almost certain that you're going to lose, it's a real sign that things uh, some kind of change is needed. And I mean, I, you know, I think we all, most of us saw Matty Target's interview after the game at Southampton. Like that is just one guy from the team, obviously, but that is indicative of a broken team, I think. And I think now maybe with hindsight, I do, I don't buy any of this stuff. There've been some suggestions that players aren't playing for Smith, that sort of thing. It might be the case with certain individuals like for you know he's not here at the moment but i know that certainly dean smith and freddie gilbert certainly don't get on i'm sure there are others within the squad because they always are right but by and large i have to say i saw a team that really wanted to do well for their manager and i think target after the southampton game i think he probably had uh at least an inkling of what was to come uh he looked like somebody who knew not and you know i'm fair play to him for fronting up i'm not putting this on target by any means it's not what i mean by this but um he looked like a man who knew that his own performances were letting his boss down and were in serious danger of costing you know his manager his job and i think that has probably been felt by quite a lot of players in recent weeks but the question is how do you you know how do you spark change i i <laughs> Maybe it's the heart ruling the head again, but I do believe that if you know Smith could have turned this round to an ex, you know to the extent of keeping us as a mid-table team, but what we've seen already from you know Sawiris and Edens, and I think particularly maybe from Perslow as well as CEO, 
Um, there is a there's a lot of ambition in Villa's boardroom right now. And I have to say, it didn't sit too well with me personally coming out and saying after, you know, as in his statement after Smith was sacked, you know, we've we've not seen the we've not seen the continual improvement that we're looking for in performances and everything. Um, and it's true, you know, from a cold hearted sense, it's true. I get it. But like this season to me screams season of transition, season of attempted consolidation. Like you've lost Grealish, you've got to set up, you've got to try and set up for life without your plan A player. Looking back, I don't believe, I, you know, I think that Perslow and Sawirius and Edens thought that they were com- going to convince Grealish to stay. I'm pretty confident they thought they were going to win Grealish round and we were going to have Emmy Brendier, Jack Grealish, and, you know, even possibly Leon Bailey in the same team. I think that's what they, I mean, they'd convinced themselves that they would be able to talk him round. And so I don't actually think that there was... a particularly well-laid plan in place for Grealish leaving. And I think we're seeing that. Then you throw in O'Kelly leaving, Terry leaving. Like, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe some of that was avoidable. Maybe that was unavoidable, like with Terry's ambition for his own managerial career, that sort of stuff. But there's been a hell of a lot to deal with on and off the pitch this season. And it is, it's just natural that the manager gets, the manager bites the bullet, right? Um, but I have to say I'm pretty concerned about where we go from here because it's a huge understatement to say that we need to get this appointment right. And fair play, you know, Suarius and Edens, they've only made one managerial appointment in their time in charge and they've got it right with Smith. So I can't come out and be like, I have no faith in them to get it right because they're sort of batting one for one on that. Um, but I, I'm just concerned I, I always get concerned when I feel like owners, board members, CEOs, whoever it is, are putting ambition so firmly in the driving seat because what kind of football club improves significantly four years in a row? You never see that kind of progress, really. Obviously, there's the odd story, but the reason that those stories, like your Leicester cities, maybe, you know, on the way to the title, the reason that those stick in your mind is because it doesn't happen. And so I think having had three years of Im- solid improvement in a row, I think there was a strong argument to say that this is a ride it out season. I know we're in an awful run of form right now, but I don't, I don't really believe that it would have continued in a way that, you know, relegation season, we lost seven in a row in the first half of the season. We lost 11 in a row in the second half of the season after sacking our manager and taking a gamble on a new manager. Um, it's that cu- classic thing, right? You're weighing up continuity versus the need to spark a change. Um you know looking ahead there are so many questions that we need answers to and we're going to get answers one way or another but I don't know I'm feeling a lot of trepidation about what comes next to be honest yeah I think Tom summed it up really um you know you look at people pondering about what could be next in store and I'm just going to say that I'm glad that it's not me making that decision and whether it's Perslow, whether it's Lang, whether it's the owners or whether it's all of them collectively, I think they will have to earn their money's worth with their next selection because it could define the next five to 10 years of Aston Villa Football Club. You know, we've seen it go wrong so many times where owners have ambition and like Tom said, you know, they focus on that ambition and that is their sole driving force of expectations and it just go wrong so quickly because managers come in and they don't meet those striving expectations straight away. And instead of waiting it out and having faith, they are sacked and it becomes into a cycle. Then Everton pop into mind as one who have the potential to be able to break into that higher caliber up in the league, but just haven't been able to do it yet. Maybe through wrong managerial appointments, maybe through, spending money in areas where it probably hasn't worked out for them but yeah I think it's so so crucial that we avoid that um you know we'll look back on Dean Smith's time at the football club ultimately as a success you know he came into the job he almost exceeded expectations um from where we probably expected him to place us in his time at the club and you know I've it's been a journey, hasn't it? It's not like there's been low talking points, you know. Every season, there seems to have been uh, a way forward with Dean Smith. And, you know, you losing five games in a row is always going to 
put a manager under pressure and it's always going to create talking points, whether that be from the media or whether that be from fans. And I think it's, it's quite nice that Smith didn't lose the fans. You know, not once did the fans turn on him. I was at Southampton the other night and even at the final whistle, you know, there were chants of Dino and Dean Smith's Claret Blue Army and he came over and he clapped the fans and it, it did almost feel like a goodbye. You know, there was a lot made of that he hugged every single one of his backroom staff and, you know, he came over and thanked the fans lastly and clapped them all off. Um, but it's not turned sour. And as long as we can find a manager who is in line with our ambitions and we don't have to change, we don't want a manager coming in who will rip up the whole almost foundation of what's been built so far and implement his new philosophy, then I think we'll be all right. As long as we have someone who can just pick up the pieces of where we're at, get us into a bit of better form, get us playing as a unit, then I think over time things should plan out the way we hope for. With uh, with Smith, I mean, it's great. I think it's a great point, Seb. Is, and I, I feel that as well, that gratitude that it never turned ugly, right? Because you, you get you get some really awful divorces in football. And if there's one thing you can, I don't think any fan would argue that like Smith just did not deserve to have that happen to him. He did not deserve to have the stands of Villa Park turn on him. Um, we've all been really frustrated and disappointed with how it's gone, right? But um, these things can happen. To man, you know, these things can happen to managers, and I think what's really important is that you know they've got people saying, I guess quite rightly, that our form throughout 2021 has not been good, and you know that's true. But even with that, like there have been some serious high points. There's been a lot of mitigating factors, um, and I think it is really important. Obviously, we're going to have to move forward, but for right now, I think it's really important to um, recognize the job that Smith did really. And I just think it's, we're allowed to mourn. I said at the top of the, the top of this podcast about, you know, you're allowed to be sad. And I think you're allowed to, you're allowed to mourn it because what was it? Six months ago. I know we don't like, you know, fans don't like us mentioning, mentioning his name, but with, you know, six months ago, we had Grealish as captain, Smith as manager. We had this really unique aura about us as a football club led by fans, you know, on an up, a big upward trajectory. And I can remember saying um, at the time, like, we have to make sure we stop and take note of how special this is, really, because like this is just a ch- it was always going to just be a chapter in our history. And before we knew it, it was going to be over. And it, it's a very sad thing to already be on the outside of that and looking back. Um, but you know, results do tell, don't they? It's a cold, cold business. Well, it's an interesting one too. I mean, you look at Norwich, they got their first win of the season and still sack Daniel Farka. It doesn't really matter, I guess, really in that kind of instance. And I kind of think back to Friday and I wonder if, to be fair to Adam Armstrong, it was a hell of a goal. I have to give him that. Um, if that goal doesn't go in and it goes wide or whatever, or he doesn't take that shot on and it ends nil nil, or even if we win, like this kind of almost puts up the question, whatever result on that day really have mattered. Like do, would one result out of that run really have done anything going into an international break where someone else could have two weeks to come in? It, it does pose the question and you've seen it in the past where, you'll you'll get that one-off win and we've seen it i'm not saying this is the relegation season like 15 16 but we saw it in kind of spurts there where remy guard comes in and i think we had a few draws and we conceded definitely less for a little bit and some people kind of thought we're starting to turn the page a little bit and we're on to the next chapter and i almost kind of wonder if we're almost in that scenario again but not to kind of an extreme extent like that although we are kind of way too close to the relegation zone in my opinion um that i would like to be at this point but it's it's a game of fine margins and i i think when you sit there and look back at dean smith's reign as a whole it's it's so much more positive than it is negative and i think for most people and the one thing i'm most happy about i have to say about today is a lot of people that I've seen on social media for the most part are in a much more reflective, positive mood, mood about his time at the club. It's you're still going to have that percentage that are good. He's out. Thank God. Let's move on. And 
you do see people looking at, with excitement at the next who the next manager could be. And fair enough, I guess that's going to kind of come to a point with all of us. But for at least today, it's nice to sit back and look at the man as a whole and look at the job he's done. And to what I understand as well, what I've seen on social media, it looks like Craig Shakespeare's out the door as well. Um, what that means for the rest of the coaching staff, I have zero clue. You would probably imagine, depending if it's for me, if it's another uh, British manager or someone already in the UK, maybe he keeps part of it. But if it's someone um, outside of that realm, you probably have to say everyone probably loses their job, you would imagine, because most times it does happen. So it's going to be an interesting one because you also have to look at it and think, we have to be more careful than we have been at replacing managers in the past. And I know Simon, uh, I almost said Simon at Seb and Tom have kind of brushed on that. We have a youth academy that's kind of just came out of nowhere and has grown. And you look at all the investment to the to the training facilities at Bodymore Heath and potentially to Villa Park here in the near future and kind of expanding on that. There's so much more to consider with this next move than it's a short-term fix and we're just here to stop the rot. It's, it's one that as a Villa fan, I don't think I've ever really seen. So it's going to be very interesting to see where we go from here. Um, you would imagine the appointments going to be made within the next few days. You'd have to imagine they wouldn't have bit the bullet unless they had at least a top three. Um, yeah. Tom, did you want to say something? I mean, that's the, that's the thing, but it's never, ever, ever sack a manager unless you have a pretty strong idea of where you're going next. Like, I think that's got to be a, it's got to be a cardinal rule. Um, and so one thing that's interesting, I think as well, is that uh, I've seen reports that, you know, there's a lot of names going around already, which I'm sure we'll get into, but I've also seen reports that say that like at the moment, the club has nobody lined up for an immediate transition and they have no, from what I gather, they have no one sort of, standout candidate it sounds like they're considering a few names or whatever one thing i think that's a bit of an issue here is that obviously you know with having lost terry you've lost o'kelly you've lost smith and shakespeare just gone like for all the talk of putting a you know supposedly putting a better structure in place at villa building for the future like creating that club culture we now find ourselves in a position okay we've got an international break but we're now in a position where we don't actually have anybody really suitable at the club unless you ask like De- uh, Mark Delaney, George Boateng to stick to step up. We don't have anybody at the club who is really suitable to step in and lead the team on a short-term basis. So does that mean that they're absolutely set on appointing a manager before we come back from the international break? Cause there's issues there, obviously you're sort of, if you don't have any one clear candidate now, how the hell do you expect to appoint a manager and have a smooth transition in place and be able to hit the ground running in what the space of, 13 days or whatever it is until we play again um i'd also say you know about the international break and the timing of it obviously i get it from a certain point of view it's good that maybe it's good that we don't have a particularly what i said about don't really have a caretaker you know a natural caretaker coach in place it's quite maybe it's good that we don't have a game next weekend but part of the problem with villa now uh with our you know our comparative success you know compared to where we were in recent years is we have a lot of international players there are an awful lot of villa players who aren't at the club at the moment they're not a body more heath at the moment or they're not going to be for the next week or two because they're off like now we've got cash added to the list for poland we've got the south american players off got people in the england camp mcginn off with scotland like there's a lot of big senior you know senior players at villa who won't be there for the next two weeks or so. So even if we were to bring in a manager, say on Tuesday, you're bringing a new manager into the club at a time when Mings isn't there, McGinn's not there, Martinez isn't there, Douglas Louis, oh, I don't know if Douglas Lewis is there, actually I've lost track, but Matty Cash isn't there. And so it's difficult, right? You can say that international break might be good timing, but it's going to be awfully, awfully hard the way that things have gone at Villa so in recent weeks and recent months, it's going to be so hard to make this any kind of smooth transition. And like you say, if you're going to bring in a new manager, maybe particularly a manager who hasn't managed in the Premier League before, like you kind of have to back them with bringing in their own backroom staff and their own coaches. And that like you have you can't deny them that opportunity, I think, if you're going to appoint them. I think that's why, uh, you know, Eddie Howe moves to potential clubs have broken down I think in recent months is because you know there's been this talk about you know how much of your backroom staff can you bring with you 
But if you don't give a manager that backing, you're starting off on a bit of a you know bit of an un, uneasy footing to start with. But we've got to rule, I think, really temper our expectations and, and, and bear in mind there's going to be a hell of an adaptation period now. And I mean, when you're already in the kind of rut that Villa are in, um, it, we, it might be a difficult next couple of months, I think. There's going to be a hell of a lot to adjust to. Um, and so that's why they've got to get the appointment right. But it's very easy for us. You know, I know it's their job, but it's very easy for us to sit here and say they've got to get the appointment right. Like, it comes back to what Seb said earlier in the pod. Like, I do not envy having to make the decision that has... Because, you know, if they get this spectacularly wrong, God forbid, then it's going to have dire, dire consequences. And we've been down that road in recent history and we know how painful it is. Um, you know, it's just, I don't envy them at all. There's a hell of a lot of work to do. Yeah, Seb, I'm going to spin you a really, um, maybe not nice question and see how you handled this one. But I just, it just kind of came to my mind. And of course, it's all if, buts and maybes really right now. New manager comes in, obviously. Do we all think that we'll start with Seb, obviously, but do you think that Tyra Mings keeps captaincy? And I, I only throw that out there because there's been some kind of questioning of it lately. So I'm just kind of curious to see where we all stand on that. Um, it'll be a good indicator for the fans about what is going on behind the scenes, because, you know, if Mings ends up losing his captaincy, then it shows that. I mean, I think it could be twisted as a positive as well as a negative because it means that we'll have capable leaders in the dressing room that are able to step up and that a manager trusts. Um, You know, Emmy is one that stands out to me. Martinez is one that could take take the role. Danny Ings as well has, has experience of that. You know, there's players in there that could step up and and take the armband, but... Um, it all depends because managers have their own preferences, don't they? You know, you see that managers go in and most of the time the captaincy will be um, will be stuck with with whoever it is because I think I don't think it makes a major difference. Smith was always banging on about if you're a real captain, it doesn't matter whether you have the armband or not. You should be able to lead your team and be vocal on the pitch. So whoever has the armband. You know, it'll be nice to see who who the manager trusts to have it, but I think I think it will stay with Mings. Fair enough, Tom. Where do you stand on that? And I just kind of thought it was an interesting question because, to be honest, you see this all the time, kind of, and sometimes they stick with that one captain that was initially there for a while and then switch it, and sometimes they just switch it automatically. So, you know, it's maybe something that interesting to kind of discuss. But I'm interested to hear your opinion. I mean, I think it's a, certainly a question worth asking, particularly after what's happened in recent weeks off the field and um, still unconfirmed reports about bust-ups and that sort of stuff. I mean, I think that's just... I think all of that was just indicative of a team who are um, at the bottom uh, in terms of confidence and morale right now. You know, it's very easy. When you're on like a decent upswing, say like the start of last season when we had that start, which was a real outlier, by the way, in recent years for Villa. But when we were beating the likes of Liverpool and Leicester and we were on those good runs, like it's very easy to have squad togetherness and unity because everything's going well, right? You're not really being tested greatly. Um, times like this is when you need your big characters and your leaders to step up. Um I think personally, I, I don't. I don't think there's much chance of the captaincy being taken off Mings. I'm not. I don't necessarily think there should be. And it'd be, it'd be worth. I suppose it's worth considering for whoever comes in. But you got to bear in mind that if you, we're already going through so much upheaval. I'm going to be going through so much upheaval over the next weeks and months. And Mings still seems to split opinion, like not many Villa players that I've seen before, really, in terms of the fan base's view of him. Um, but I think it would be. Uh, a bit unfair to question his leadership skills, I think. I do think he's a very good leader. Um, and I just think maybe if you take the armband off and you give it to somebody else, it's just, it's yet another strand of uh, upheaval. And it's something else we've got to adapt to. You're going to, you're risking creating resentment and everything. I just, I just can't, I can't see it, but I mean, it's obviously, it's hard to, it's hard to accurately predict when we're not, we don't really have any clue what's going to happen next at this point. So, 
Yeah, I must say I agree with Tom. I think, was it West Ham that Mings was dropped? I think, yeah, it was. It was yeah. West Ham. Um, you know, you could see on the pitch that uh, our back four just lacked that almost understanding completely. I mean, obviously it was new because we had two centre-backs that haven't played together in a back mm. two before, but it almost seemed as though there was no communication there whatsoever. And as soon as Mings came on, when Conza got suspended, you know, you could see him bellowing out instructions and that's when we became more rigid. So, you know, I, I don't think his um, impact on the pitch can be understated. Yeah. There's the one thing that's very interesting for me now. And I feel like in a weird way, I, at least as a Villa fan, I've never kind of experienced this in the sense that, you almost have a manager coming in. Obviously, every manager has their own play style, formation, setup, and all that kind of stuff. But it's funny with the players that we have now. We have two starting strikers. We have Leon Bailey. You still have Triore. Um, who knows what's going to go on with Sanson as well. And you can kind of go on and on about all these players now. And the one thing that we kind of went on about in the summer was now that we have a real bench, we have real options. It's going to be interesting to see who comes in and what kind of way they answer the questions of, well, do you play two up top? Do you play mm. only Ings? Do you play Watkins? Who comes off? How do you rotate that? Who do you play at wide? Who do you play in the middle? Um, I, you probably would say the back four, maybe apart from target may pick itself at this point, maybe. Um, and obviously Emmy Martin or Emmy Martinez is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So that kind of justifies itself, but it's going to be interesting because you look at Dean Smith and everything he's tried recently it kind of gives you a sense of what does and doesn't work. Um, so maybe that helps the next manager. Maybe mm. it doesn't. Um, maybe it doesn't matter because the play style that they want to play. So it's going to be interesting because some players you'd have to say, usually when another manager comes in, um, aren't going to be very happy with things that get changed up. Um, whether it's kind of one set where they kind of go in that mindset of, well, screw you. I'm, played so many games for this club. I've done this and this and this, and they take that as a negative or they take it as a positive to force themselves back in with good displays and good efforts on the pitch. We'll have to wait and see. It's, mm. it's always one of those things now. And unfortunately, like I think Tom mentioned before losing Grealish, I think when you bring in the likes of Bailey, et cetera, et cetera, I think there was such pressure and almost the mindset was to, push on and I'll admit I fell into that little bit with all the signings we're making and I think you have to almost sit back and wonder who made some of these signings and it kind of feels like the 1920 season again in that sense where I feel like some of those weren't Dean Smith's versus you look at last summer and you could kind of tell which ones probably were you'd have to say for the most part so it's going to be interesting what happens in January too because depending on the manager, they may like their own men as well to come in. You do see that with your Chelsea's um, when you had Sari come in, of course, Jorginho came in or was that under Conte? I can't remember, but anyways, regardless, you have certain players that come in to make kind of managers fit their play style, make them feel a little bit more comfortable. So it's just, it's kind of crazy that it almost feels like we're starting almost all over again, even though we aren't. So I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot more questions that I didn't think we'd be asking ourselves at this point in this season, at least. I thought this is something maybe we would ask ourselves in the summer, if not a few seasons from now. Um, but yeah. that's that's football for you. I don't that's, know what to say. That's the disappointment for me, really, is that I, as far as I was seeing it, like this season should have been the uh consolidation season and to be quite frank this season should have been the boring season i was hoping that this season would be the boring season because we've had it never is tom it never is (laughs) and we've had really significant progress the last three years last season i think we would it's interesting you mentioned earlier called about expectations and i think uh i think smith set the bar very high for himself very high for himself with the with the progress season upon season um like i like i alluded to i think the start of last season was the real outlier period for us which okay you could look at it like it means that we haven't been great we've been solidly sort of lower mid table um and i think this but i think the start of last season when we were really doing really well that was what started the conversation about possibly pushing for europe 
you know, that won't even, okay, Smith and, uh, um, sorry, uh, Edens and Sawiris and Perslow will have said they wanted us to be in Europe within five years or whatever. But like, I doubt, I doubt that they, to be honest, I doubt they anticipated the conversation around pushing for Europe starting as soon as it did. Because what we survived on the final day, 1920, and then by what, six months later, not even because the season finished late, uh, you know, four months later or whatever, we were talking about pushing for a Europa League spot. Like that kind of escalation of expectation is quite hard to sustain, as we've now seen. And I think in some ways, what's an interesting hypothetical to pose is, you know, last season, if we hadn't have had that lightning fast start done really well, started talking about Europe, and instead we'd have won a game here, lost a game there. And we'd say we'd have spent all season between 12th and 16th. And then we'd finished the season between 12th and 16th. Would we now be here? You know, would, would you think Smith would have had more time in the job? I wonder if it's because he set the bar very high for himself that it makes the failure of the last few weeks far more dramatic, right? Um it's difficult to maintain that type, that kind of continuity because, you know, teams naturally fluctuate or whatever. And it just means that you get to a point where every decision is reactive. Um, and it's tough to sort of break that cycle, I think. You know what the biggest shame is, guys? Uh, our most successful season in almost a decade was behind closed doors. And I think that's the thing that is getting most people. Like, you got to see it on TV, but you didn't get to really enjoy it in person for the most part for any locals, really. Um, obviously, Seb being one of them that goes to every home game. So it's, I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of people sit back and think it's a lot of what if, because we didn't really get to experience it in person. And I think that's the biggest shame because, and I do see people pointing to that and almost wondering if, playing behind closed doors and all that kind of stuff helped us a bit. I think that's kind of, I don't know. You can use a bunch of excuses for different reasons on really any given day on something. It's just, it's unfortunate because to be honest, if it was a perfect world, um, Grealish didn't leave. You'd probably say, I don't know if it'd be any better right now, but I feel like Dean Smith would probably still be in the job. Um, I think we would have had a little bit of a different, transfer window because it wouldn't have been such a gaping hole where you have to buy some quality and a little bit more quality i just personally and seb let me know how you feel on this i feel like we had a plan a and a plan b but i honestly starting to wonder if that plan b was almost good enough i just i personally i don't know how you plan for life without your best player when he has this much of an impact on and off the field um but what do you think i mean what we could never have planned for is our players going missing after international games and having to quarantine, all the players getting injured. You know, there are so many defining factors that that plan B, not only were we using plan B, but we were also having to use plan C, D, E and F at times as well. And it was all sort of merging into one big plan that hasn't really gone to plan. I don't really know if that made sense, but you guys are nodding. So I'm kind of hoping it does. Um, But yeah, so there's been a lot of times this season and throughout the summer as well where people at the football club have had to react quickly to certain situations um, uh, which they probably couldn't have anticipated, like the injuries, like other factors like that. And, you know, these things take a lot of time. Danny Ings, he's a proven Premier League goalscorer, but he just hasn't been able to find his rhythm at the moment. Leon Bailey, obviously, a massive, exciting attacking talent, which we saw just a glimpse of that against Everton, hasn't been able to show us his full product yet. And Buendia as well, you know, that second half until he until he came off was probably the best football that he's played in a Villa shirt. So, you know, these things will come together and it'll be interesting to see how the new manager dictates people because when a new manager comes into clubs they pro- they don't tend to have favorites at the club already uh whereas we know smith obviously heavy heavily relied on ollie watkins maybe why he wanted to go through a two so much because you just you can't drop danny ings and his goal scoring threats so 
Um, it'll be interesting to see who he chooses and what system he plays, whether the board uh, prioritise an attacking system, whether the system comes into play when choosing a new manager. You know, all these things will will go into deciding it. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm very, very grateful it's not me that's bit the one that's decided. Yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult because so much is so unknown and it could that the... the there is the potential for this to work pretty well. If you look at it in a positive light, which I've been struggling to do a bit because I, um, I, 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 I think that Smith may well have turned it around at least to a certain extent to keep us in mid table. And also, as we've talked about at the top of this, like there's the huge emotional side of it. Um, certainly been an emotional few months to be a Villa fan, but if you're going to put a positive spin on it, one way you could look at it is that it is an advantage of we've all been complaining about how Villa haven't found their identity post Grealish, which is just an undeniable truth. We haven't worked out what our best team is. We haven't worked out what our best system is. And we certainly haven't settled into any kind of long-term post Grealish identity or culture that could come into play now as a positive factor, because it means that there's not actually that much to uproot in a way, like it's not we not like we have a new. We're going to appoint a new manager whose tactics are going to in, inevitably differ at least slightly from Smith's. It's not as if we had a set in stone first choice eleven with a set in stone formation that we you know. The fact that there are so many unanswered questions already means that in a way the slate is kind of clean for whoever comes in next. The problem is, of course, is that we're either going to go up or down, and if we if we continue to trend negatively, um, we're going to be in a position where we're, we're genuinely in dire danger. And that's not something I anticipated saying, I have to say, even, you know, I knew that Grealish leaving was going to have a seismic effect on the club. There were some, there were some ominous signs, Terry leaving, particularly O'Kelly leaving and the manner of that. Um, some of the site, you know, some of the, 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 the signings and everything. Um, there are it's, it's you know with with hindsight it's easy to look back and be like oh you know these were warning signs whereas at the time you might not necessarily have seen them as warning signs um, and it's just I feel like we had a almost a utopian sort of few months last last year start of last season when we were playing really well Grealish Smith you know everything was everything was rosy and then I feel for months and months now, we have had so many more questions than answers. And it's just not going to change anytime soon, is it? You know, like uh, All I wanted was a nice, boring season in about 12th. Get Danny Ings some goals, get Ollie Watkins some goals, you know, be a safe, boring mid- mid-table club. But, um, you know, you ask too much, don't you? Oh, just It never happens, trust me. I Honestly, ever since, maybe I'm the curse, I have no clue. But, like, it's been relegation fight after relegation fight relegation um almost promotion almost liquidation promotion (laughs) almost relegation um happiness last season and then we're just kind of in that lull again where we don't really know where we fit in but before we wrap things up guys um i'm gonna try to twist this two questions into kind of one thing so you guys can answer this kind of at the same time um when you could have a second really to get those answers after I shut up. But anyways, um, the one thing I kind of sit there and look at now is um, what kind of qualities that us as fans kind of want in that next manager. So that's the first question I want you guys to kind of give me um, and I'll come in at the end with mine. And I guess to kind of end off in a positive note, what is your favorite Dean Smith moment? So Seb, I'll go with you first. Oh, that's a really difficult question. I was kind of hoping you weren't coming to me first. Um, <laughs> we'll start off with my favourite Dean Smith moment. Um, and it's probably seeing him at the end of the playoff final after we'd won and he was singing Sweet Caroline because you almost felt, like I said earlier, I touched on it, the connection with the fans you know, you saw that he was one of us and he was just as happy as we were. And it wasn't it wasn't due to him doing a good job. It was because he had got Villa, his boyhood club, back to where they belong, I say, with 
almost air quotation marks. And I think he can look back on his time at Villa with a lot of pride. I think he achieved a lot. He got us to he got us to the playoff final. He also got us to a cup final whilst almost mastering the great escape. So yeah, he's had plenty of positives. New manager, what I'd hope for. It's difficult, wasn't one, isn't it? Because I feel as though there's a lot of aspects within our squad that we don't know much about. So it's kind of hard to dictate what we'd hope for the manager to point out. But probably Danny touched it on the podcast a week ago that it is essential that we do not neglect our youth academy. I think we've put so much money and time into almost growing this academy into something that looks so promising now. If that was to all fall by the wayside, I think it would be a massive, massive damage and it would cost us later down the line. Yeah, I agree. I think with the new manager, um, there are three things that I'm looking for, really. One is the that continuity with the youth. I want a man. We need a manager in who, you know, we've got a great youth setup. I love what Mark Delaney, George Broteng and people are doing with the academy. We need a manager who uh, basically knows how to handle that, I suppose, and knows is not only going to give chances to young players, your Carney makers and your Cameron Archers, um, but someone who's a real, uh, you know, can be a nurturing figure when they need to be and knows how to integrate kids into the first team without placing too much expectation on them, which is no mean feat with a fan base like Villa's because we, you know, we do have, we do like to place expectations on players. Um, The second thing I think is that it's blindingly obvious. I think that whoever we bring in needs to, I said that they need to have that nurturing side of them with, with young players. They need to be able to build people like your Matty targets back up when they're going through tough spells because targets not had it easy this year. I think he's missing Grealish more than most could also say Watkins, I think in that category. Um, But we need a manager who's going to rule sort of firmly, but fairly, I think is the way that I would put it, not be afraid to make tough calls. I do feel like sometimes with Smith, you know, I absolutely, I, I really like Dean Smith. I have not felt an affinity towards a Villa manager like Smith in my lifetime, I don't think. Um, but it was it was clear that he did have some drawbacks and some limitations. I do think one of those was making bold decisions and uh, not being afraid to be the bad guy, I think. Like, as a football manager, you need to not be afraid to be the bad guy. You don't want somebody who's going to be, you know, dictatorial and is gonna and is gonna have an adverse effect in that way it's all a fine balancing act but you do need somebody who's not going to be afraid to put their foot down i think like the ming a good a good example is the tyrone mings um dropping mings was uh very heavy-handed i don't know how you felt cold but i felt like it was a very heavy-handed uh way to go about it um i know that he thought smith thought that things had to change but I felt like he kind of just bulldozed in with that decision. And I don't really feel like there was the justification for making that decision. And I don't really feel like it paid off. And so we need a manager who's going to, I think, be a little bit better at weighing up those tough calls and knowing when and how to make them. Yeah, I mean, um, he was just clutching at straws when he did that. I yeah. feel like it was desperation. I mean, Southampton, look at that. We brought on uh jacob ramsey uh for nakamba um you brought on keenan davis um <laughs> i think it really says it all there but uh what was your favorite um, dean smith moment and then i was just going to say my third thing about the new manager first thing youth second thing you know be firm but fair third thing please don't take us down <laughs> my uh and my favorite my favorite dean smith moment i think not so much a moment but you know he went through like i said i felt such an affinity towards Smith and I mean he went through an incredibly tough time with his father dying I think that was back end I think that was back end of the 1920 season can't remember exactly when it was I think it was about spring 2020 off the top of my head um and you know as Villa fans we were all incredibly relieved and incredibly happy understating it massively when we stayed up on the final day at West Ham um I cannot still, I cannot put into words how pleased I was for Dean Smith at that moment. 
because to have lost, you know, to come from a Villa family, all that Villa background stuff. I know we were saying the same thing with Grealish. A lot of this rings, you know, from a few months ago. But to come from such a Villa supporting family, have the club in your blood the way that Smith does, to go through your father dying when Villa, I think, at the time were in. I mean, we were better after Project Restart, but it was the last four games, wasn't it, or something that's, that we really had that dramatic uptick in form and that's what saved us. Uh, I think at that time, to be honest, I think the Villa squad fought for Smith because I think they, you know, you work with him every day. You're going to have been able to see the effect that your father dying has on, you know, has on you. And I think our squad really fought for Smith and, 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 and at least partly did that for him. And I was just, I, I would have, it would have been heartbreaking, I think, for Villa. Obviously, it would have been terrible as, for, as fans and for Villa as a club to go back down into the championship so soon. But um, on a personal level for Smith, I think it would have just been devastating. And so I was I was really just so pleased that the end of that season went the way that it did. And then, you know, he got to have that spell of, you know, with a Villa team absolutely flying in the first half of, tw- first half of 2021. You know, every... Smith is the kind of manager that I felt this is probably how I'll leave it, is that every success um, of Smith's felt like a success of ours as fans. Like if you really lived those successes with him, um, you know, seeing him on the touchline, what Seb said about after the playoff final, you know, it's just absolutely heartwarming stuff. And obviously you can't rule with your heart completely, um, but it was hard not to with a guy like Smith. And I think it's going to be tough to recapture that. I mean, I know that's a sad sort of thought to end on, but it's going to be really hard to recapture that special vibe that the club has had, you know, not so much recent weeks, but certainly, you know, a lot of the last couple of years, um, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been a real emotional, you know, it's been a real mo- emotional journey. And I think it's going to be hard to recapture that heart and soul. Well, you said it perfectly. I, like I said at the start, how often do you have your club captain and your head coach manager as Middle fans. It doesn't happen, does it? It may never happen again. It may take 50 years. I don't think it'll happen in our uh, lifetimes. So um, at least we can say it happened. Um, We can appreciate everything that did happen and hope for the best, really. Um, In terms of what I'm hoping for a manager, um, my biggest concern, obviously, like you have to look at the tactics and stuff like that, but just having some sort of relationship with the fans. I, I think when you look at the dark days of the relegation and how things went under Steve Bruce and with the ownership um, under Tony Gia at that time, I think obviously it's not going to be the same. And I don't know if it will ever be the same with that kind of close knit connection, but you have to keep some of that um, because we've seen how bad it gets and how toxic it gets. Um for not only the staff and the fan or not sorry the staff and the players but for the fans too like i can't the amount of people during that relegation season that i used to speak with on twitter all the time that just had to get rid of the app completely because it was just too toxic and we like i i know it gets toxic now but it was nowhere near um how bad it was then so I, i think that's the one thing for me it really we have to be careful with, of course, if we're winning, some people will say it doesn't really matter. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But in regards to my favorite moment with Dean Smith, well, on a humor side, um, when he got sent off for saying how, um, the juggling balls comment to the referee. Um, so funny. Uh, so funny. I, I like to see that. Uh, obviously, he's he's absolutely annoyed. And just to throw that out there was absolutely hilarious in class. Um, but on a sentimental one, um, I think it's going to stick with every Villa fan. Um, it's kind of a two-parter. Um, but when he went and saw his dad saying that he's the Villa manager um, and w- kind of his plans with what he's going to do for Villa and his dad didn't believe him, obviously, because of the illness he had at the time when he was still alive. And to kind of fulfill that, I feel like as a human being and as a man, that's probably something that'll live with him forever um, and something that he can kind of, connect with his dad forever so i think that's important but the other thing is always going to be him and Grealish holding the cup um that's going to live forever i mean hell it was on villa park until Grealish got sold so um i think that kind of sums up this era of villa really Mm. um Mm. all i ask of people if they're still listening this far in because it's going to be about 50 some minutes in 
um it's just be kind to one another um there's no need to if like i don't see the point in abusing fellow villa fans for their opinions um i can understand a little bit of a debate and questioning but name calling and abusing people and cussing them out and you know what people are dealing with their own things so just be kind to one another don't be dicks let's be honest um (laughs) i i i was just gonna add like i think i'm sure we'll come back relatively soon and we'll be we'll do another pod when um either we've appointed somebody or when we have a bit more clarity on who the firm candidates are and we can talk more about going forward but i think it's fair enough to for this to be uh to have been a pretty reflective pod because it's 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 hard not to be reflective now. And what I would say is, as a final note, like let's not get it twisted at all. Dean Smith more than fulfilled his brief as Villa manager, more than. And uh, every everybody has a ceiling, and I do think Smith's ceiling was as a mid-table Premier League manager at best. I have to be honest, and so you know it's a tough call. Um, but really, if we do have serious ambitions about getting into Europe, it is with a heavy heart that I would say that I, I think it, 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 I don't think Smith would have got us there. It's now about getting the next, you know, it's now about getting the appointment right and getting the next steps right. But Smith, you know, came in 14th in the championship. The brief was to get us promoted. He achieved that. And then not only achieved, how many times you see a team get promoted, spend a lot of money in the summer, go back straight back down. And, you know, that 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 it becomes a false dawn, right? The, the hope that you had promised through promotion never materializes. Okay, we only stayed up on the final day, but you, you can't be dismissive of that because we stayed up and we stayed up on the final day because the team and the manager showed that fight at the end of the season. And then to build us from, you know, not only getting promoted, surviving, build us into a mid-table team, which we still are. I, you know, we're in, at the moment, we're in an absolutely awful relegation form. There's no denying that. But even earlier this season, you know, we've beaten Everton 3-0. We won at Old Trafford. Like, we're getting mid-table results until the last five weeks or so. Um, he just, he more than fulfilled his brief. And I think even people who were calling for Smith to be sacked, I think it, it, you have to accept that you have to sit back and be thankful for what happened, you know, yeah. be glad that it happened. Um, and, you know, from me, certainly, and I think from a lot of Villa fans, thank you, Dean Smith. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the best way to end it. And the one thing I did want to say is if somehow some manager comes in and we go on a crazy run, um, I don't know if we'll ever kind of cap the 10 game unbeaten run. Um, it'd be lovely. But um, you know what? If we have success this season or we get to the heights next season, uh, Dean Smith has had a part in that. Um, The first step was getting us promoted and keeping us here and building on that. And that foundation can never be forgotten or replaced by someone else. So like Tom said, thank you, Dean Smith. Um, It's a very somber one. And I just want to say, guys, of course, it's a longer one. The last two have been like nearly an hour Uh, with, with what's going on at the club kind of felt like these deserve more time uh we'll get back to a little bit more schedule with the uh, man of the matches and playing the villa who am i or other games and kind of getting more in depth with kind of a game by game basis but uh it's just kind of where the club is right now we need to discuss more unfortunately negative things and look at things a little bit deeper than just on a match by match basis and um, yeah, you'll probably be hearing from us probably soon, I would say, during this international break. Um, I think kind of, so, yeah. yeah we'll be back I, talking about Stephen Gerrard's and people I rather fear. Yeah, I, I, we were kind of hesitant on going over those names because you could sit there and for hours and maybe we'll do a little bit more research when we hear a little bit more solid proof about who it is and all that kind of stuff. And instead of going under 20 names and whatever um, in one pod, but uh, yeah. Um, I was kind of assuming we might have a little break, but I don't think that's going to happen now, Tom. But anyways, um, I I never get a a break with this podcast, but it's okay. I love doing it anyways, but we'll leave it there. Of course. Uh, Thank you very much to Seb and Tom for joining me. Of course. Um, Of course you can, I don't know why I say of course so many times, but anyways, uh, keep donating of course with, (laughs) there I said it again, (laughs) with acorns. um, And yeah, we'll leave it there. You'll probably hear from us within the next few days i would imagine if filler are that organized but yeah, yeah. who knows yeah we'll, we'll leave it there and thank you very much and don't forget up the villa
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.